Anyway, 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 it's, um, it's great. We're having something slightly different this morning. Rather than uh, a talk, we have invited these three fine ladies along uh, to be part of a panel because we are connected as a church with Home for Good and as connected also with Home for Good is the Fostering Network and the Fostering Network runs something called the Fostering Fortnight. Uh, I believe it's once a year, is it annual? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it starts tomorrow, I believe. So we thought we have some aims, uh, which we'll just get up on the screen. Can you get slide two up for me, please? Uh, then I can take it from there. Lovely. Thank you. So as Yuma Church, we have these aims. CYP is children and young people. Number one is building confidence and self-esteem in children and young people. And CYP two is equipping young people with life skills. But we also have a strengthening families aim. All these sit under bringing life to Ashford. Um, and bringing life to the city. And we have Strengthening Families number two, um, and it is Strengthening Family Relationships. So fostering clearly plays into all these three. So we thought, let's get some specialists up. Uh, So we have these three people. You could just have to match them to each other. So uh, first of all, we have Billy Joe next to me. Now, Billy Joe was at a conference yesterday, no, summit, what do you call it, a summit? Summit, so much more than a conference. A summit yesterday for Home for Good. So she's been in Milton Keynes, and then you went to Bishop Stortford, and she got home really late. So, but she is here, and that's amazing. And Billy Joe, as you can see, she is the Home for Good regional lead for London and the South East. Um, we have Margaret next. Uh, so Nick and I uh, foster through an agency called Diagrama. And that agency, Margaret, is the adoption and fostering team manager. Now, we've met Margaret a number of times, but never in person. So when it came to this beforehand, and Margaret wasn't here, and we said, we just need to sit people in the right order, ideally with the tallest at the far end, I was asked, how tall is Margaret? I'm like, she's about this tall, as far as I know. I've only ever met her on a screen. So it's wonderful to actually see that Margaret has got like a lower half and legs and everything. Um, And so we've sat her in the right place. And and then on the end, obviously most of you, many of you, will know Judith. She is not only uh, the compassion support worker here, uh, but also, I found out, was a long-term foster carer. <laughs> she told me this morning, oh, I'm not technically doing fostering anymore. I'm like, out, get out, come on. <laughs> the panel was nearly two. Uh, anyway, so that's my introduction of who they are. I'm going to ask them a whole bunch of questions. We're going to hear from them. But let's just quickly pray before we start. Not because we have to, but because we want to. And Father, we want to hear from you today. As much as we're hearing from these three, we want to hear from you. Speak to us if there's a part that we can play to help to bring life and build confidence and equip young people with life skills, etc., We want to be able to play a part in that. And we want to be able to play a part in strengthening family relationships. And just maybe you're asking something of us this morning. So, good morning, morning. Billy Joe. Tell us a little bit about your you. Who are you? What do you do? I know you've been here before, but it was a little while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was lovely being here. And we are, by extension, members of the family because we follow you online um, and listen to you regularly. Um, fantastic teaching. A bit dodgy when he's up here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, first and foremost, um, I am a mum to two incredible children, well, young adults. My daughter's 20 and my son is 14 probably with your youth. 
um, and wife, but I am a care-experienced adult, and I live with trauma, which Jesus loves and encourages me to learn how to love my trauma and myself. I used to say, if I could meet myself as a teenager, I probably wouldn't want to look after me. I now say, if I meet myself as a teenager, I'd probably want to give her a hug. Love that. Love that. Um, Margaret, you have been, I discovered, you've been dealing with care issues for 30 years. Yeah. So tell um, us just a bit about your story. And... My story goes back to oh, when I was a child. Uh, quite a difficult upbringing um, in lots of ways and the church was my sanctuary my safe place and through that I met my now husband when I was I met him when I was 13 but we got together when I was 15 we've just celebrated 44 years of marriage wow (laughs) come on he deserves the medal Um, I've got three children five grandchildren and we when we first got together, we spoke about having three children and one day we would love to foster or adopt. And we dreamed of having a big house where lots of people could come and stay. And my husband worked in a bank. I was a mum, three children under four, busy doing cleaning, anything I could, bring a bit more money in. Um, and we were disillusioned. He was disillusioned with the bank. And we decided that we would want to do something different. Didn't know what. And we were led to um, a charity called Fegans. I don't know if any of you know it. You might have heard of it. And somebody suggested to us that we run a children's home. And we just laughed hysterically. We couldn't cope with our three children, let alone anybody else's. <laughs> so, so from there, um, we did get an interview. Um, let me just tell you, being interviewed with your three children who are 8, 10 and 12 is not a good experience. <laughs> Um, interesting, but not. I don't recommend it. Um, anyway, we did get the job, and actually, the heart we had was for for young adults who we saw within the church who were quite broken. They were struggling to build relationships as adults because of the experiences they had as children. And so we had an open house, and the only proviso was, yeah, if the light's on, come in, you know, and take us as you find us. If we're shouting at the kids, that's fine, just make yourself a drink, and we'll come to you in a minute. And through that, we met some amazing, amazing young people that we're still in touch with today. And so we, when we had the interview, we found out that the children's home was closing because that was the way things were going. This is the late 90s. And it was going to be a family centre, working with whole families. And it was just like, wow, this is our dream, a big house, you know, by the sea as well, which was amazing. It was down in Broadstairs. And um, so anyway, we, um, we started work. We moved down. We didn't know where Broadstairs was. We looked it up on a map and found it. And we actually found quite a lot of resistance from our friends into the church that actually, what are you doing? You're taking your children away. You're, you're going to be mixing with people. And over the course... I know. <laughs> Risky. This was the late 90s. Um, so anyway, we, we moved in. We didn't really know what we were doing. Um, my husband, we, the, the leader of the charity, was involved with a family. And my husband provided transport one day to take her to court because her three children had been removed. And he got called into court and said, so can you look after her? And he went... I don't know. You know, I was a bank clerk. Um, anyway, we were trusted with this family. She moved in, and then our three, the three boys moved in as well. Baptism of fire. 
Yeah. Um, but over time, we worked with families and um, we lived on site with our three children. And we didn't know about care work. We'd never done care work. We'd just got a heart for people. So we ended up um, working with up to four families living with us. Families with drug issues, alcohol, abuse, mental health, learning difficulties. Yeah, we had a locked door in the flat. Um, (laughs) But we developed an assessment. We went to courts. We got to work with some amazing, amazing people. We lasted five years as a family. Most families left after about four or five months. We had to stay five years. Then we moved into the community, and I continued managing it, and I was doing my social work degree, and my husband went down the counselling route. And um, we thought, that, well, yeah, that's it. And then the home closed in 2000, and I went into fostering. And we'd always talked still about fostering. And then in... Um, my husband got made redundant from the charity as well, and that was a good t- time. So we started fostering, and that was 18 years ago. Sorry, I'm taking a long time. Um, so, <laughs> so we started fostering, and we fostered teenage boys, three at a time. <laughs> Why I'm white. Um, no, it was... Uh, again, that was, yeah, interesting. Um, and... My husband was the main foster carer staying at home and I went out to work and I continued and I've worked in fostering agencies ever since. And as Chris says, I'm now the, one of the team managers for Diagrama. Um, and we went back to our first love of families. After 14 years, we then decided we would do parent and child fostering. So for the last five years, we, well, four or five years, we've had... Um, parent mums mainly but we've had a mum and a dad and a baby live with us for varying amounts of time um and then this year we have finished fostering but i'm still very much the team manager for diagrama which i absolutely love fostering is at my heart people are at my heart wow (laughs) judith when I was a child, my parents were foster carers, so it's something I grew up with and wanted to do as an adult. Um, then as an adult, I had three children of my own and then became a single parent, so I kind of lost sight of the idea of becoming a foster carer, and then one day I met Krish Kandaya. Um, and I spoke to him about this, and I said, well, I'm kind of waiting for the right time, and he basically said, stop waiting. There's, there's, there's no need for the waiting. So, and that was um, a couple of years before he started the Home for Good organisation that I'd met him. So I then um, went home and started praying and asking God how to start this um, fostering journey, because I didn't have space for fostering in the house I was living in at the time. Um, and God said to me, sell your house. And I said, well, then what? And he said, sell your house. <laughs> and this, this dialogue went on for quite some time. <laughs> Until I then sold my house <laughs> and rented a larger one. And that's when my fostering journey started. And that was 2010. But you're no longer technically a foster carer? I'm no longer technically a foster carer because I now have the two girls I have at home on a special guardianship order, which is technically different. 
Amazing. We just want to give you some data now. Apologies, I am going to read this out because for the sake of the podcast, it doesn't translate very well into the podcast if I don't read it out. If all people can hear is you lot going, ooh, <laughs> ah, like that. It doesn't, it doesn't mean a lot. So I am going to read them out. So this year in the UK, around 35,000 children and young people will enter the care system. That's 95 children every day. Currently, there are about 1,800 children in Kent in care. Nearly 70,000 children live with almost 55,000 fostering households across the UK. There are currently 2,040 children waiting for adoption in England and 160 children waiting for adoption in Wales. 39% of children in care are aged 10 to 15 years and 23% are aged 16 years and over. Over 10,000 young people in England age out of the care system every year on their 18th birthday. Care leavers make up 25% of the homeless population. Almost 25% of the adult prison population have previously been in care, and nearly 50% of under 21-year-olds in contact with the criminal justice system have spent time in care. 41% of care leavers aged 19 to 21 years old are neat, so not in education, training, etc., compared to just 12% if you broaden that out to every 19 to 21-year-old. So for people who aren't so familiar, um, Margaret, what are some of the reasons that children get taken into care? Oh, so varied. Um, And often it's not just one issue, it is multiple issues. So um, the the parents, and it's very rarely about the child, it's more about the family. So the family might have got drug issues, there might be an unsafe place, alcohol, mental health, learning difficulties of the parents. Um, It might be that the child is disabled, it might be um, that the parents are unable then to manage the complexities of that disability. Um, As I said, I did parent parent and child fostering, so they're not just young parents, Um, we've had 13-year-old mums referred. It can be a 40, 50-year-old, and I think I heard the oldest um, parent was a 70-year-old dad coming into um, a placement. So it can be so varied. But rarely one thing. It's very rarely one thing, and usually you'll you'll get a referral and they'll say, oh, the problem is the child's perhaps not at school. That's the main reason, um, and a bit out of control. But when you then look behind all of that, you then start seeing perhaps it's um, a broken family, perhaps the family, um, the, the, they're just not coping, you know, the mother's had some um, mental health issues. You know, poverty is beginning to play a huge part in all of that now because families just haven't had those opportunities. They haven't had people there holding them and supporting them. They're quite isolated And what impact does, you might be better to answer this, but I'm actually still aiming at Margaret for a minute, what impact does the environment that the child is removed from, they're removed because they're in effectively a negative environment, it's having a negative impact, what kind of impact do you see in the children that have to be removed from their families and put into care? When a child is first brought into care from direct from home, you often find they have no boundaries, They've got no routines. They've got no understanding of the things that we take for granted, a regular meal. 
So they're not used to having that meal. They're used to perhaps foraging for themselves, finding that. They haven't got that routine. They haven't got any organisation in a home. So when they come into a foster home, they're usually like, whoa, hang on a minute, this is ever so posh. You know, because their background, that what they see and what they've lived is so very different. They might be used to a lot of violence. Um, domestic violence plays a huge part in the families of the, the children that are coming into care, and that's risen incredibly over the last few years. Um, but they're just rudderless, really. They've just got no direction. They have just got nobody that they trust because they don't know who to trust because they might have got family members there one day, gone the next. They might be in and out. Oh, come on, you're too much trouble. Let's go to Granny's house. You're going to go to Granny's. Stay there. She can't cope. Back home. So they've often been, you know, pushed around the system, pushed around families until that system is broken and then they need the state to take over. And... Um, Billy Joe, you were in care for how many years? Until um, around about the age of nine on and off, but social services were involved in our family pretty much until we became adults. And what's it like being in care? Careful, you're talking to two foster carers here. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to break me. <laughs> um, devastating. Strange, lonely, lost. And how many, how many different families were you placed with, or how many placements did you have? Um, if they're marked down as official placements, then that would have been seven. But um, I'm the eldest of a sibling group of three, and we were split up. Um, every single one of those placements we were never placed together geographically we may have been close to one another to have visitations and see each other um, but that was incredibly rare and often sometimes not encouraged because of the family needs and issues so I may see one sibling more than I saw another which had huge impact in our sibling relationships growing up because there was a lot of for me, I failed them. I was their carer from time to time. I was their sister looking after them. Um, four or five years old, being responsible for two, two one-year-old. Um, so for me, I've had to learn to deal with a lot of um, guilt around letting them down, uh, particularly if I couldn't be there to look after them uh, growing up as an adult. And so that's caused dysfunctionality. Wonderful word within our adult relationships as brothers sure. and sisters. Sure. And do you remember the moment, effectively, that you were taken into care? Do you remember that moment? Um, they, it happened in different ways, differing times. So pre-education, we would have been on... A, I grew up on a council estate, so friends, family, concerned members would have reported particular issues or behaviours... Um, that my mum was demonstrating either publicly or privately at home, um, but it was quite evident to people that um, we needed support and intervention. 
education came into part of that, depending on what age we were. And so there were some times where I'd go to school and not go home. I'd go to the house of a stranger after school because the services had been brought in during the day while we were in a safe place, which was school, um, yeah. primary school. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so could, lunchtime, then we'd go to the headmaster's office and we were told we wouldn't be going home. We'd be taken with this lovely social worker to... Who you've potentially not met before, I assume, uh, or... Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But you're being told they're lovely and trustworthy. <clears throat> um, and Judith, what is, being, uh, what is being a foster carer like? I didn't, I didn't pre-empt these questions. I didn't give them in advance purposely. <laughs> hard work it's 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 um yeah it can be tough it's not all jolly and fluffy and cute little babies arriving at your house there's a lot of hard parts these children that arrive at your house are basically arriving broken and they're not things you can stick back together with glue you you need to nurture them and care for them while acknowledging that they are broken and that is how it is it can be very, very tough. But it's also the right thing to do. And knowing with God that you're doing what God wants you to be doing is sustaining. And that means you can do the hard things. And rewarding too? Yes. <laughs> Take rewards when you can. <laughs> you too can become foster carers. We're still standing. That's yeah, a reward. That's right, that is the reward. It is, it is rewarding. It is rewarding. It's not always clear to see those rewards. Sure. Yeah, understand that. Absolutely. Um, so we have this slide here. I love the simplicity of what Home for Good have as their tagline. I thought bringing life to the city was pretty good, but I love this. We can find a home for every child who needs one. We love that. So, um, Billy Joe, tell us a little bit about Home for Good. My passion. <laughs> um, Home for Good are a Christian charity working in um, the UK, across the UK wide, with governments, officials, Department of Education, local authorities, independent agencies, to do exactly that, to bring the church into this narrative and this conversation around 1 Corinthians. We are all part of one body and we have all got a part to play in doing this together, finding a home for every child who needs one. And so it is with an absolute passion that I do things like this and share openly, quite vulnerably, my story and how it is the church has been the transformational vehicle for me to meet Jesus, who's become my transformational father, who gives me that belonging that sometimes I forget and I seek and I forget that it's in him, in his sacrifice, in the sacrifice of others. And I met a Christian carer who did that for me. She didn't see the fruits of her labor until 28 years later when I was stood in a church doing this and she was in the congregation putting two and two together and wondering if I was that three-year-old child she looked after. Good. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And you had an encounter with God in prison? No? Have I remembered that right? I've been to prison. <laughs> well, you'd said that publicly. So this, this isn't a Jeremy Kyle big reveal or anything. No, that was last time. No, Sorry. I, so, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, we are family. And actually, the sacrifice of being vulnerable to enable one of you in here to open up your home for a child like me is why I'm here. That's what God's asked me to do. It's a calling on my life. And I'll give it all to him and the glory to him too. Um, I'm a young offender, ex-young offender, however you want to call it, but that was my journey. I was a tough teenager. I kicked back big time. (laughs) Um, And I didn't want to be loved. I was desperate to be loved. But I didn't want to be loved because the person and people I wanted to love me and to be those role models were hurting human beings themselves and they didn't have the capacity or capability to try and do that. But the narrative, because of my church, because of my husband, because of my family, has changed for my children. I've been with my husband 21 years. We've been married 16. That doesn't happen by chance. That happens because of church. Yeah, my, my story isn't by chance. I'm not here doing what I can do in my strength. I'm doing it in his strength and his power and his will to invite you into that narrative in the Bible. Family throughout the Bible is made in such a variety of ways. What if Joseph really did leave Mary? Where would we be? What if Moses wasn't found in the reeds? and brought into a house that wasn't his, given the kingdom that wasn't his, who are you going to open your home to and play your part to help those who are opening their homes? You're talking about changing a culture. Mm. You're not changing a culture. You are it. Mm. You're here doing it. You just need to find where the need is and what it is you can do to serve that need. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Um, Margaret, a little bit about Diagrama. Most people won't have heard of Diagrama. No, nobody's heard of Diagrama. Um, it's Diagram with an A on the end. Um, <laughs> diagrama. <laughs> we are, in fact, um, a charity. We originated in Spain. We've still got um, uh, most of our... Um, Working RIT is in Spain, that causes lots of issues, but there you go. Um, but no, we are a charity that believes in putting the person at the centre of what we do. So whether or not, in Spain it started with educational reform, and they do it in a very different way to what we do in the UK. And their heart was very much to bring their way of um, just getting alongside these people, touch, the importance of touching. We don't, and quite often, you know, we were told at one point in fostering, don't touch the children because you don't want to be accused of abuse. People need touch. If you don't have touch, you know, you've lost something so fundamental. So it is about, you have to be careful, but you, you too, you know, a touch on the shoulder, just a little reassurance. That means so much. And I think that's one of the things we lost, didn't we, in the pandemic. Um, and we realised the importance of it. Sorry, back to diagrama. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, Diagrama um, is now come over, came over in 2014 to England, and um, we have got fostering, we've got adoption, there's homes for learning difficulties, um, certainly southeast London area, and a home um, for elderly in Clacton. So we believe very much in the person. Um, so, as a charity, we're not for profits, so we don't make money out of the most vulnerable children in society. It is about um, believing in the individual, looking at ways we can support them in a way that um, is perhaps thinking outside of the box. We don't have to do the same thing as everybody else does. Um, and yeah, there's just something I've fostered, as I say, for 18 years, and I've fostered for agencies that are profit-making. And let me tell you, the difference is absolutely incredible because then it is all about, you know, we need bums in beds, basically, to sort of make that money. And that's not what it's about. It's about the child. Yeah. You know, it's about families. It's about putting people back together. It's about breaking that cycle. And that's what we want to do, is to break that cycle so that when the children that we've cared for... You know, they go forward, they're able to make their own families. They are able to right. have their own children and give their children a different upbringing to what they had. You know, and so, yeah, you don't see the results straight away. You know, in, can I just tell about one of the boys that we had? Um, we gave notice on him when he was 17 because he was taking quite a lot of drugs in our house. You walked in the door and you were high. Um, not really good. Um, but he then started to sort of throw things out the window, throw things that pass us by, and it starts to get quite dangerous. And so we said, look, one more, that's it. We're, we're shut it, you know, we're going to give notice. So we gave notice, and he went um, up, back up to London, went into a shared house. And my prediction for him would have been that he was going to be a dealer. You know, at some point, he was going to end up as a dealer. And um, he decided to go in the army. He did 19 weeks out of the 20 weeks, which was amazing. I thought he'd be thrown out week one, but no, 19 weeks. He's now married, he's got um, an amazing family, he's got two beautiful little girls, and he is just incredible. And when I see what he's done and how just... He came back and knocked on our door one day, we hadn't heard from him, and he said... He spoke to my husband and he said, do you know, he said, I remembered, you know, what you taught me about how to cook really, really cheaply, and that's how we saved up for our marriage in Gran Canaria. You know, and so wow. they will take things. You don't know what you're giving out, what is going to be picked up and going to be remembered. And I've had to tell mums that their baby is going to be adopted. You know, I've had to go to a last um, contact that that little girl we had, that she, last time she was going to see her mum and dad. And it's heartbreaking. But... I want that little girl to be able to look me in the face if she comes back and says, why couldn't we then stay? Why couldn't I stay? That I know that I've done everything possible to help them. But also, I've been able to then give that mum a hug, help her, and it's not about judging. It's not about condemning. It's, sometimes it's just not the right time for them. But you can't put a child's life on hold to wait for a parent to catch up. And it is about, you know, being able to, there for the grace of God, go I. Yeah, and yeah, I know sure. I could easily have been one of the <clears throat> families broken, 
you know, and I'm just so thankful. And one of the things that I found out years later, when we were doing the, the work with the families in the home, that my youth leader, lovely, lovely lady, quite eccentric, but she was lovely, she prayed for me, my husband, and our children every single day to the day she died. You know, and the fact that we had that person praying for us when we'd moved right away from them, didn't speak to them, didn't see them really very often, that she still held us. That's how we got through it. That's how we managed the dark days. And there are some really difficult days. Um, but it's knowing the, and seeing the bigger picture and knowing that you can make a difference, not perhaps now, but sometime in the future. Uh, this next slide we haven't got time to go into, but basically it's estimated that around 8,000 new foster carers need to be recruited just in the next year. And Home for Good have a Bible study, a study really, of going into the Bible and discovering more of what God says about families. So the easiest thing to do is you can scan that, and I'll give you literally about 10 seconds, or you can go onto the Home for Good website and look, look, search for Make Room. But this is the slide we really want to try and land on. So I would say these are some outcomes from this morning. You can just go, oh, that was really nice, and walk out the room. I haven't put that down as an option, but I guess it is one. Uh, are you interested in becoming a foster carer? Then um, if you are, then I would speak to Margaret at the end. Um, we, Nick and I, we can definitely recommend Diagrama. We can't recommend Diagrama compared with other agencies or indeed with KCC because we've only known Diagrama. But we can say Diagrama are great. Um, and our, our own social worker is fabulous. And Margaret did all our training uh, and she's just like, oh my goodness, the knowledge. But one thing, we, what we love, and I hope you heard it come across there, is actually the heart behind it. It's not a business. You're not in it for the money. You're in it because you care. Uh, are you interested in becoming a respite foster carer? So you know um, Andy, people here will know Andy and Rhoda Fearham from Carlisle Vineyard. They do uh, respite care once a fortnight. So they have a child once a fortnight for a weekend. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. Maybe you'd be interested in doing that. Obviously you can be praying for those uh, in care, the foster carers, the social workers, the families. It's quite a complex mesh of relationships. You can donate to Home for Good, a real practical thing. Again, that's when you're um, looking for the maker room information. Uh, gather around those who foster to ask how you can help. That's slightly embarrassing, but you can ask us if you want. Ask Nick instead. Prosecco. Uh, uh, Prosecco. <laughs> Prosecco is Always Nick's answer. Helps. <laughs> and we would say with our uh, first main uh, child that we had, who many of you got to know, well, honestly, I don't think we could have survived, done it, without you. Um, we were, we were so, so grateful for Prosecco again, yeah. Um, but how about, I know Wills Baptist do this, and God bless them, they do, they do a cracking job, but why not become a contact centre here for children to have contact with their parents? We have had the um, sort of unfortunate privilege of seeing a few contact centres, and they're not great places on the whole. They're usually uh, dire. Thank you. you can I, you can say that. Um, and they really are. And you want a, a child who's probably nervous, apprehensive, 
it is weird. I'm meeting mum slash dad, but I'm not in my home anymore, and I'm having to go to this place that I don't even know with some people who are watching and typing things on computers while I'm in there. Uh, it's a weird environment. But what about if we invited them into our home here, complete with asbestos stickers, uh, but we invited them into here? Why not? All we need is some team who can have vision for that. How about Numa Church to become a fostering hotspot? Did we get an answer? We didn't. But um, uh, well, Catalyst Vineyard up in Edinburgh, Aberdeen, thank you, up in Aberdeen, we, we tried to remember the exact number, but we think as a whole church family, they foster 26 children. I mean, what difference would it make here? We're not the size they are, but why can't we go for within two years, we'd be fostering 25 kids between us. We want to bring life to the city. What a brilliant way to bring life to the city. Or maybe you're interested in becoming a professional. As you can heard from Margaret's story, there was a point at which she started training to become a foster carer. Uh, uh, sorry, a social worker. I mean, we need some decent social workers, don't we? Yes. Like anyone that's had dealings yes, with social workers, they're underfunded generally. Uh, generally, the, the morale can be a bit low. And... We need some people who carry the wisdom of God into those situations. Or you could become, um, oh my goodness, there are so many people in the pie. You could become a flow at school. Yeah, there's a lot of dealings with schools. that we, we, The flow of our current incumbent, um, the flow, she's speed dial. I mean, we, 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 we really know, we've got to know this lady. Uh, she's amazing. Um, but it really matters that she's as good as she is and that we keep those relationships up. So you've got a whole raft of... Chris, sorry, can I add yeah. another one? Kushkan, yeah. Um, also, we would love people to help with recruitment of foster carers. We need people to go out there, and you might not be in a position that it's the time for you at the moment, but to help recruit other people to become foster carers, desperately need them. We'll always, you know, value your help and support. There we go, there's another one. I can't type it in quickly enough and get it on the screen, but anyway. Um, so some of the support that um, uh, Nick and I have received is uh, understanding. That Honestly, that counts for a lot. When people look, you go, okay, and you say, uh-huh, and they go, and put a cup of tea in your hand, it's more Prosecco. <laughs> We've got to stop talking about Prosecco, Nick. People will talk. I'll note um, it down. <laughs> an hour's break or an evening off. Uh, we were really grateful to people who said, look, you know, we'll, t- we'll take whoever out and go and play. We'll take them to the park for an hour and like, thank you. Uh, that's really helpful. I have put down sweets and wine. Uh, I was bought a few packs of Tangfastics uh, during some of our trickier, darker days. Uh, and we were... <laughs> They, they really helped. And also, support for the birth children. That really helps as well when people bring them sweets. And, and you don't have to say, oh, poor you. It's not poor you. It's an absolute privilege to, have, to be able to open the whole home up. And I know our girls find it a privilege too, even though, like us, they want to tear their hair out at times, of course. So uh, let's pray. Then we need to wrap up because I, um, I told kids we'd finish six minutes ago. So we're going to pray. Well, I think they will. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to stand only because I find it more, uh, more comfortable. But... I'm going to stand. Yeah, well, you can stand. Let's stand, Shereen. <laughs> let's stand. Uh, let's give a round of applause to these three, first of all, by the way. <laughs> Honestly, so precious. Thank you so, so much. Um, and um, 
Father God, I pray for these three uh, as being representative of the whole care profession and fostering. And we thank you for the dedication and commitment of these three to young people's lives. It is amazing. It is precious. It's beautiful. And Father, it represents what your heart is like. I mean, if that's what these three kind of faulty humans can be like, then my goodness, your heart is so much bigger, so much more burning with passion to see young children become all that they can be. And Father, help us not just to walk out of here and go, oh, that's nice, but to look and say, where can we play a part? What can we do? And Father, we invite you to speak to us right now. We invite you to speak to us as we leave, that there will be little triggering conversations of things that you're saying to us. And we also recognise, God, there might be some people here in the room or online or on the podcast or watching it later who maybe have been impacted by some of the some of what's been talked about here today. I'm encouraged if you're in the room right now, then just find someone and say, would you mind praying for me? If you're online, someone can pray with you. If you're live online, if you're watching it a bit later on, listen to the podcast, by all means, email in. Uh, just find our details online, email in. The easiest way will just be admin at numachurch.uk and we'll be able to put you in touch with someone who can pray with you. That, Father, give this church a heart that wants to foster. Because fostering is so much more than babysitting. It is providing the environment in which young children and young people can become all that you've designed them to be. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk, where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week, and remember you're loved.